G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, today we're turning our attention to our relationship with food. And obsessions with eating, exercise or body shape affects many of us, whether it's in dieting, body image or issues around binge eating. And eating disorders now affect about 1 million Australians every year. And we probably all know someone who has struggled in this area, or maybe we've struggled with it ourselves personally. Well, our special guest today is a medical GP, and she's doing further study for a PhD into the relevance of faith and spirituality within a whole person approach to eating disorder prevention and care. Dr. Haley Thomas is a clinical senior lecturer and senior research fellow in the general practice clinical unit of the Greater Brisbane Clinical School at the University of Queensland. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of qualifications in there. But she's also interested in whole person care in general practice and the GP-patient relationship. She's interested in talking to Christians as well as those who claim to be previously Christian or those who have significant exposure to Christian contexts. You might have your own insight to offer us today, and you may want to connect with Haley as a participant in her study. And later on today, we're going to leave you with her email address so you can do that. But first up, I want to welcome into the studio our very special guest, Dr. Haley Thomas. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's lovely to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, Dr. Haley, and it is Valentine's Day. So we just want to give a big shout out again to everybody on Valentine's Day. But this area that we're going to talk about today is an area that really debilitates many people, doesn't it? And in the context of Valentine's Day can even hinder our relationships with others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Certainly a very big area that affects many different aspects of life. Yeah, Yeah, and I I want you to tell me about yourself, Dr. Haley, because you are a GP. You do work part-time in a medical practice and you could have just done that forever until you know your working days were over but you 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 were drawn into this area and you are now doing a PhD in uh, in eating disorders can you tell me a little bit about your story yeah absolutely um so yes as you said I'm a GP I finished my GP training in 2019 um and I've been working part-time clinically as you said um in a general practice in the northern suburbs of Brisbane and then part-time since about 2017, also in a general practice uh, academic role through my training. So my interest there has been around this um, area of whole person care in general practice um, and also the GP-patient relationship in terms of my research to date. Um, And I guess as a bit of an extension of that, I've now moved on into this um, area of interest in my PhD around um, exploring Christian spirituality as part of a whole person care approach to eating disorders. Yeah, I like that terminology, whole person approach. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? What does that mean? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I really looked at that in the general practice space um, because one thing that attracted me into general practice as a specialty is that uh, that value of whole person care is really fundamental and foundational to what we do as GPs. 
So I spent a bit of time talking to GPs about what that means to them. Um, And essentially, it's really looking at the multiple dimensions that are involved in healthcare. Um, So looking at the physical dimension, which I think we're often very good at doing in medicine, um, and yet also having um, openness and looking at those dimensions like the psychological, the sociocultural, um, the spiritual, which perhaps um, is often more neglected in healthcare. Um, yeah, well, let, let, let me ask you that. So you did your medical degree. Did you study in Brisbane when you studied to be a, I did, a, yes. a doctor? So yes. was there any talk or discussion in your studies that people have a spiritual life that could in some way be linked to our physical health? Yeah, look... I can't recall whether it was in my studies or in a lecture that I've watched while I've been teaching, um, but I know that there was at least one lecture looking at spirituality and healthcare and sort of looking at the difference between religiosity and spirituality um, and how that might affect people's approach to illness. Okay, so that was one lecture. Yes. So it doesn't sound like it was emphasised. It sounds like it was touched on. Yes. And, um, and of course, this is the great... Um, what you call it. it's a, it's the legacy of the you know the 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 Western civilization that we're a part of, isn't it? That we sort of remove spirituality from everyday life, didn't we? And everything is natural and it's physical and it's what we can understand and observe with our five five physical senses. I think it was the ancient Greeks, wasn't it? They were the first ones to remove spirituality from healthcare. They were the first ones who actually observed symptoms of the sick and and diagnosed based on physical symptoms instead of bringing in a witch doctor or someone mm-hmm. to actually provide a cure through spiritual means. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the space we're in, isn't it? That that most of us in Australia, if we're not Christians, we just think, well, we're sick. It's a physical thing. I've mm-hmm. got to deal with this physically through mm-hmm. medicine or some other treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, often I think that that is a big part of it, that physical aspect. Um, and obviously as a GP, that's what I spend a lot of time dealing with. Um, I think that it's also just having the... I guess the insight that we are whole people and that um, that dualism of the separation of body and spirit um, doesn't necessarily play out in reality um, and we need to have that bigger perspective around what's going on for people and so that we can help them in the most comprehensive ways. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the stats are pretty staggering. One million Australians are living with an eating disorder in any given year. That is a lot of people, isn't it? That's a lot of people, yes. And often it's very hidden. Yeah. And so when you first became a GP, were you surprised by the amount of people that do struggle in this area? Look, I'm not sure if I was surprised. Um, I think that as a fairly young female GP, you do get quite a few um, just in that demographic, like by virtue of demographic, um, that come through. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if I was surprised, but certainly it is an issue that's out there. Yeah, and and so you know you were practicing as a GP, and you're you're coming across people struggling in this area. So is that what kind of was a catalyst for you to say, you know what, I want to do further study and try and really understand this area more and provide more help? Yeah, look, I think I'm interested for a variety of reasons, um, and you know certainly um, that's one of them. And I guess the other thing is just that within this area of whole person care, I think eating disorders are a particularly good example of a condition where the link between um, the fact, you know, the fact that there is something physical, psychological, cultural, those aspects are really um, more obvious than in a lot of other conditions and the interplay between those, um, but that perhaps the spirituality, um, there's some research that it may be relevant, but perhaps not as well explored as some of those other aspects. Um, so I guess it was quite a good case study as well around that whole person care um, approach. 
Okay. Well, I've got some uh, some stats here as well. So, of the people who suffer from eating disorders, three uh, percent have anorexia nervosa. Twelve percent have bulimia nervosa. I don't know what nervosa means, doctor. Maybe you can fill us in. Forty-seven percent have binge eating disorder. I know what that is. And thirty-eight percent have other eating disorders. What does this nervosa mean? What does bulimia nervosa mean? Yeah. Um, so, nervo- basically, in the diagnostic manual, um, which doctors use when they're looking at eating disorders, it has um, criteria that um, I guess need to be fulfilled for the diagnosis of these different eating disorders. The nervosa bit is just part of the name of the condition. Um, so, anorexia means loss of appetite, which people with anorexia nervosa often don't have. Um, so, you know, ironically, um, but I guess calling it anorexia nervosa just d- differentiates it in medical speak from other causes of loss of appetite. Um, in terms of what characterises the conditions, um, so anorexia is one of the less common but very serious um, eating disorders. It has among the highest mortality rates of any mental illness um, and it's really characterised by a restriction in food intake, which leads to a low body weight. Um, And that may or may not be accompanied by things like binge eating and purging behaviours. And bulimia nervosa, um, there is often binge eating. Um, So that's eating a large amount of food in a short space of time with a sense of loss of control and a feeling of sort of guilt and shame afterwards. Um, And then in bulimia, there's often compensation, um, for example, self-induced vomiting and those types of behaviours as a response to the binge eating episodes. Um, In binge eating disorder, there's the binge eating without the compensation. And then that large group which you spoke about, which is those other eating disorders, is basically just people who are experiencing some of those types of behaviours or some of the distress around body shape and weight, which are part of those disorders as well, but they just don't meet the specific criteria um, that we have for those disorders, but are still very serious. Yeah, it is very serious. And is this a recent thing? Like, were these disorders around 100 years ago? That's a really good question. Um, So... I think that they have been around for some time. I'm not sure in terms of when we first started calling them um, eating disorders and defining them in this way. Um, certainly, there's some suggestion that some of the early saints um, who were fasting had conditions which may have resembled things like anorexia, but may not be quite the same as what we're seeing now. Mm. Um, but we know that the prevalence is rising, um, and particularly in the context of COVID, we've seen quite a rise in the um, prevalence of eating disorders in Australia. Yeah, and I mean, and, and here's another question. So is this more limited to the Western world or is this a worldwide uh, issue as well? Or is it mainly in the Western civilizations we're seeing these disorders? It's a really good question. I'm not sure that we know the answer or certainly that I don't um, know the answer for certain. Certainly our Western culture with the thin ideal um, we know contributes to the development of these disorders. Um, But I don't think that they're limited only to Western cultures. And I'm not sure that we've got the evidence to know, um, or certainly I'm not aware of the evidence if it is there, to know um, the comparative prevalence in the different uh, societies. Yeah. And um, and I've also read some stats, 80% of adults diagnosed with an eating disorder have at least one or more psychiatric disorder as well. Mm. So there's a real link mm. there, isn't there, to mental health issues? There is often overlap. So there's often um, other mental health conditions that are in the mix there, yes. Dr. Haley, we may have a caller here. 
And I think we have Kay with us. Is that you, Kay? Yes, yes. Hello. Welcome to 2020, Kay. Thank you. Do you have a question you want to ask Dr. Haley today? Um, I have a, um, I have a family member who I've observed since uh, since they've been coming to, coming to our family, um, married one of our children, and just noticing a lot of weight loss, a lot of exercising. When we go there, she doesn't eat very much, and oh, I just feel she's really wasting away in front of me. And so I just want to, I don't know, is I, I don't know what the I don't I don't know much about these um, diseases, and um, I just want to talk talk about that if that's all right. Or ask a question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? That's better. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Look, um, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear about your experience. That's a really difficult thing um, to be, yeah, watching in a family member and to be having those concerns. Um, I think one thing with eating disorders is that it is really a challenging journey um, for everyone who's involved along that path. Um, If you do have Mm -hmm. concerns, there are some really good resources that are available. Um, So if you're um, comfortable with um, going online, uh, the Butterfly Foundation um, is an excellent website that has a lot of information and a helpline available. Um, The Inside Out Institute for Eating Disorders, the National Eating Disorder Collaboration and also some state-based eating disorder services such as Eating Disorder Queensland and Eating Disorders Victoria have some really good online information um, around uh, people who are concerned that you may be able to access. I guess, um, yeah, in your situation, it's hard to, um, you know, offer definite advice without knowing um, exactly what's going on. But sure. yeah, I'd encourage you to, um, yeah, perhaps gently raise your concerns with your family member if you feel that you've got a relationship where um, she'd be comfortable to talk about that or, um, you know, with someone who may be comfortable talking with her about that. Um, mm-hmm. And just having yeah. that really non-judgmental approach, um, showing that genuine love and care um, and encouraging them to reach out um, and to see a professional um, and get some further help. And often the GP is a great place to go um, in the first port of call. Um, is that helpful? Thank you. Thank you. Now, with that disorder, do they sort of, uh, sort of come and go? You know what I mean? Do they fast and... and stop eating and then eating again and then is it sort of something they come and go with or? Look, it can be very varied. Um, So I think there's a misconception particularly around anorexia that people stop eating altogether Um, and sometimes that that is the case but often it's not. Um, So it's difficult to say in that particular instance but yeah, Mm -hmm. often people, um, you know, the amount that they're eating will vary and the amount that they're struggling with what's going on for them, you know, in terms of how loud that eating disorder is in their head and those types of Mm -hmm. things will vary as well. Um, But if there's concerns there, um, certainly getting them into some professional assistance um, is a great way to go. Thank you very much. That's really, it's really just a start because I haven't not known where to start really. So I will go to the butterfly people and just see how 
Thank you. Wonderful, and all the best with that. Hey, Kay, we want to thank you so much for calling in today on 2020. And Dr. Haley, I think that was a good question because do you get a lot of those queries from concerned family members that come and see their local GP and say, hey, I'm worried about this person, but I don't know what to do? Is that a common question you're asked? Yeah, look, it does happen from time to time. I think that as a GP, often um, the person will be there too. Um, so you, I'm fortunately in that position where often the person will be there and you can sort of work through some of that with them. Um, but yes, certainly it happens and it's a very difficult, um, challenging situation for family members and other loved ones to be in to see someone who they think might be struggling. Yeah, I mean, it's like all mental illness from the outside we can't really understand, can we, what people are going through. Um, we can observe symptoms and we can mm. observe behaviours, but we don't really know the, the struggle they're going through. And it's so difficult, isn't it? Yeah, and that's so true. And that's okay. Um, you don't have to understand all of the ins and outs of what's going on for them. And they may well not really understand themselves. And that's okay too. Um, so it's really just being that non judgmental presence, that love and um, genuine care and support, and walking that journey with them. Yeah. And the good news is there is help out there, isn't there? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of help available. Um, and again, your GP is a great first point of call, as well as some of those online websites. Um, there's a great initiative through Medicare, which came in a few years ago um, with eating disorder plans, where there's really great access available. Um, for people who are eligible for those plans to dietetics and psychology input. Um, and, yeah, again, your GP is the place to start to see whether that's an option for you or whether there may be other more appropriate options available. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it looks like uh, we may have another caller coming through, but just quickly, what are the typical disorders faced by both women and men? And let's not pick on the women. So let's start with men because this is a good question for me. What sort of disorders do men face in this area? Absolutely. Yeah, so I think probably one of the first things to say is that eating disorders come in all shapes, they come in all sizes, they come in all ages, and they come in all genders. Um, and certainly women are more commonly affected by eating disorders than men, so probably three to four times um, as common in women as in men. Um, but men still do experience these um, conditions. They can experience any of the eating disorders across the spectrum. Uh, we know that binge eating disorder is probably one of the more common one in terms of having um, more similarity in the rates between women and men. And we also know that sometimes, but not always, um, eating disorders can present a little bit differently in men um, in the sense that um, often in women there's a focus on, I guess, the thin ideal. Um, and in men, sometimes the focus can be more on... Um, achieving a muscular physique and having very restrictive eating patterns and um, exercise patterns, excessive exercise patterns around that, that really becomes a problem um, in terms of inhibiting other areas of their life. Yeah, interesting. I, I didn't even know that. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never heard of a man with an eating disorder, but I'm not mm. denying. I mean, that's, that's really fascinating. It looks like we've got another call come through as well, and it is Bill. Bill, do you have a question for Dr. Haley? <laughs> Hello, hello, uh, hello, Haley. Thank you very much for your input. Really, really appreciate that. Um, just, just interesting. When, when you mentioned um, that that you approach it with a like a a broader spirituality, I just wanted to just get a bit of an idea as to um, whether you whether you're looking at this from a whole holistic situation where it's the whole biblical teaching for the holistic needs of people whether you include say Aboriginal spirituality whether you include spiritual in terms of uh, God's creation and um, you know the, the therapeutic 
aspects of of uh, of, of being being amidst his creation uh, in terms of recovery therapy that type of stuff. Yeah, I just wanted to just if you wouldn't mind just talking about uh, just in terms of recovery, what you mean by spirituality? How broad you you're viewing that spirituality, please? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question. So we're in the very early stages um, of this study at the moment. Um, And in terms of spirituality, I think that there's quite a range of definitions and it can be quite a hard concept um, to really pin down. For this study, in order to narrow the focus of the research question, we're focusing on Christian spirituality um, in any of its expressions. Um, So that could be, you know, around nature, around scripture, around, you know, anything really um, that people are finding helpful or unhelpful in this space. And the type of research that we're doing um, is going to be around talking to people about their experiences um, and really just following their leads in terms of where that's taking us um, and then working together with them to design some sort of resource uh, to assist in this space. So, yeah, I think that there's potential relevance of spirituality across the board. For this specific project, um, we're focusing in on Christian spirituality. Hey, Bill, I want to thank you for calling in today. That's a very, very good question. Mm. Dr. Haley, I do want to ask you to go back to where we were before the news break. We talked about men and eating disorders and how men can be affected, but I now want to ask about women and how women can be typically affected by eating disorders as well. Yes, um, I think that it's a very broad spectrum um, and certainly again so you can't tell whether someone's suffering from an eating disorder by looking at them um, or by you know their age size those types of things um, yeah so again across the spectrum women can suffer from you know anorexia bulimia binge eating disorder another one we haven't talked about is a fairly new uh, diagnostic category of avoidant restrictive food and intake disorder which is where the uh, focus really isn't so much on body shape and weight and um, body image distress, um, but more around, you know, aversions to certain tastes and textures and those sorts of things um, or healthy eating um, to the point where that becomes unhealthy um, and you can end up with things like nutritional deficiencies and that sort of thing. Okay, so people don't want to eat certain foods because of textures and tastes and, Mm. and phobias and so they'll actually not eat and not be nourished and and that can lead to health problems. Or they'll restrict their eating to a point where they're missing things that are quite important um, for their nutrition and become unhealthy in that way. So it's not so much that they're not eating um, as they're eating a very limited variety of foods. Oh, wow. Well, it looks like we've got another call coming through, so we're going to go to that caller. But you may also have a question or a query or a comment you want to ask to Dr. Haley. If you didn't hear earlier, she is a medical GP. She's a practicing GP, but she's also now devoting part of her working week to a PhD focusing on eating disorders and the spiritual impact of eating disorders. But I think we've got a call, Dr. Haley, from Melody in South Australia. Melody, welcome to the program. Oh, hello. How's everyone? We are good, Melody. We're all the better for hearing from you. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd make this um, interesting comment because um, in my Bible study group, one lady um, knows somebody and a young girl and uh, there's several 
other young girls in the same church group and all of these girls come from loving Christian families with good backgrounds and loving nurturing Christian families and they're going to a really good uh, solid nurturing type of Christian church and it's a they, um, somebody's one of them's probably done a bit of a uh, Google search. Seems to me an interesting phenomena. A large percentage of uh, young people with eating disorders come from lovely homes and lovely Christian homes, as I said, and they go to good Bible-believing uh, Christian churches. And uh, so it's really a strange phenomena. The world, uh, the world in its way, sort of creeps into these young girls' minds, even though they're obviously getting a good um, Christian upbringing. Yeah, you know that's actually a a really really good question, uh, Melody. I'm going to ask you to hang on to get the answer from Dr. Haley. But Dr. Haley, have you observed this as well that people from what would look like an ideal upbringing, a Christian home? exposed to church, they know the scriptures are still being affected by eating disorders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that it's been, I guess, a little bit of a misconception in the community that, or um, I guess a sense of blame around the family um, with people with eating disorders. And there's really more recently been an emphasis on taking the focus away from that and because often it isn't the family's fault. These are such complex conditions um, with so many factors that are playing in there um, that it can be quite unhelpful to you know, blame the family and um, attribute it to that when these conditions are going on because often um, that's just not what the issue is. And yes, unfortunately, um, these conditions can affect people um, from excellent upbringings and um, who've yeah, uh, been in those very supportive contexts. Yeah, and and have you ever had to speak with someone who perhaps also is a Christian and they believe the Bible and they go to church and they're struggling with an area like this and they almost can't believe that they're also experiencing a challenge like this? Do you think there's Christians out there that have that journey as well and don't quite understand why? Mm. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there are. Um, And really in the research that we're doing, we're looking to talk to people um, who are in that type of position to understand their experiences um, and really help to, um, yeah, look at helping in this space. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And, and Melody, did you have any other questions or comments you wanted to make today? No. <clears throat> no, that's it. Um, two people I know and love dearly are also Christians and they have been struggling through their own eating disorders. So when um, I hear of my friend's children and their friends, I say, oh, such and such and such and such, can you please pray for them because I know that they, being Christians, and they can emphasise and pray with them. Uh, I just thought I'd say that. So, um, Well, we really, really appreciate you calling in today, Melody, and it's a really valid point. And like you said, we can pray as Christians, and, and uh, as Dr. Haley said, we need to as much as we can encourage people to seek professional help mm. as well. But Melody, thank you so much for calling 2020 today. 
You're welcome. Thanks, Melody. Now, we have a, another call, I think, Dr. Haley. So we'll see if, uh, no, that looks like that person has just uh, vanished from the screen there. But let's go back to the different conditions that women can face uh, with eating disorders. Yeah, yes. So um, we talked through a couple of the common ones. And again, um, I guess the thing to say is that it's very varied um, and that if you've got any concerns um, around your thoughts around food or shape or weight um, or behaviours around food and exercise, just to, um, yeah, just to look to get help there. Excellent, excellent. Looks like we do have another caller and it is Steve from Victoria. Have you got a comment or a question, Steve? Yeah, kia ora. Good afternoon in my time, morning your time still, Andrew and Dr Haley. How are you all doing? Well, thanks. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Um, yeah, we've struggled with our daughter. Um, I had an inkling she was um, eating and purging um, for a while then it sort of came out. Then the biggest struggle for me as a dad, trying to get my head around the understanding of the mental illness side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get that phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning, hey, Dad, I love you, but I don't want to be here, mate, your feet don't hit the ground searching for your daughter, and oh, just, you don't, there's nothing you won't do. Mm. And then just trying to get my head like, there's a bloke, truck driver going from A to B, just eat. Just exercise when you need to, but she was going to the extremes of everything and mm. trying to get my head around that and educate myself, mm. that was a real struggle too. And, you know, from, from a bloke's point of view, just eat and hold your food down and mm. trying to get into her into her mindset as well was a real struggle for myself. Mm. And then when I got to that point, oh man, what a relationship we've got now. Mm. And I'm, I'm the only believer in the family and praying through that and having a good support crew around me mm. um, through a prayer group and that is what, praise God, got me through. Mm. And then I prayed with my daughter and she goes, Dad, what are you doing? I'd stand at her door because she's 18 now and I'd stand at the doorway with both hands on the door frame and she killed me a couple of times and, you know, tears just rolled down your face and you go, I just want you to stay. I don't want you to go anywhere. Mm. Mm. So... Wow. Steve, I, I want to really thank you for your call because I'm a dad too. And like you said, many times we, we don't understand our daughters, do we, fully, but we just love them and, and we want them to know how much we love them. And, and I totally hear, and I think there'll be a lot of dads out there right now listening to your call, Stephen, and relating to this that we, we sometimes can't understand. But what was, just remind our listeners again, Steve, what was that, that catalyst for you where things changed that, that, that really helped you? Um, you know, be a better dad in this situation? Just educating myself to understand where she was coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so easy for us blokes to go into mentality because we just want to fix things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, just, just eat your meal. Mm-hmm. You know, just eat this, eat that, you know. And it's just so easy for us to throw that cliche out there, you know. Oh, you look good in that dress. You know, but and when they've got that mental problem going on, the mental disorder, mm. they're not getting enough food to the brain, so the brain's not functioning properly, mm-hmm. and that's where it gets distorted, and all the wires get mixed up was the mm. best way that it was explained to me mm. by the beautiful psychologist we got our daughter into, mm. and it took me ages to, to put that into my mind to go, yeah, okay, mm. let's just 
kid through this, understand where she's coming from. So just mm. understanding and educating yourself mm. to get onto her level to find out where she's coming from and what she's going through to then balance out, you know, oh, it's just it was just a real struggle for me at the mm. time then breaking through that understanding barrier mm. and just just educate yourself as much as you can on on you know, just soak it up. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, don't forget to keep reading the Bible and keep God at centre focus. Because mm-hmm. without without that steadfast, you're like a, a boat without a good rudder, you know, you're just all over the shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a balancing act, that's for sure. Wow, such good comments, um, Steve. Dr. Haley, do you want to add anything to that and, and offer Steve any encouragement or support as well? Yeah, Steve, I guess just the first thing, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, That's, yeah, such a difficult journey um, to walk with someone that you love. Um, And, yeah, it sounds like you've been, um, yeah, doing that well and on that for a while. Um, Yeah, so certainly your comments around how hard this is to understand, um, that's so true Um, and so hard for family members who are looking on and... um, you know, love the person and, yeah, want to fix it, um, as you said. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess what you've said around that sense of, yeah, why don't you just eat and why don't you exercise as much as you need to is a really common response here. Um, and I just love what you've said around that importance of educating yourself because these oh, people... Oh, well and truly. You yeah, know. yeah. Because if these people could do that, they'd do it and they wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah, that yeah. took me a good six to eight months to get my head around the whole concept of all that. Yes, and just yeah, yes, just going yes. going through those motions. So yeah, yeah, and look, absolutely, and um, as we've spoken about before, I'm not sure where you found your information, Steve, but there is a lot of that available online, and um, so particularly some of those state-based eating disorder organisations um, often have yes. um, support for carers um, available there they as well. Do. Yeah, 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 they do. And, yeah, they've got online conferences and all that sort of stuff as well. So I just fed into that as much as I could. So, yeah, it was just a really big help for me. So, yeah. Well, you know what, Steve? I can just tell, mate, you are a good dad, Kiwi Steve, and you're a good Kiwi as well. And uh, we do have another caller in the queue, but I mean that, Steve. I can just tell I felt really touched uh, by your comments and your, your calling you in today. Guys. Thank you, Dr. Haley, for bringing the subject up again. It's it's always going to be a big one for a lot of families. Mm, so mm. Um, a lot of families are afraid to speak out, but don't be afraid. Get the help you need and quick mm. as you can. Thanks, that was Steve. our saving grace. Thank so, you. Yeah. yeah, so true. Right, Thank take you. Take care, guys. Good on you, Steve. God bless. God bless. Wow. What a great call, huh? That was really quite touching. Now, we've got another call, Dr. Haley, so mm-hmm. we are going to go to this person as well. And we have Katerina from Adelaide in South Australia. Are there, Katerina? Yeah, yeah, I am. And, yes, one's heart does sort of go out to Steve and his daughter, his family for all that. Um, but I just wanted to say, like, when I was getting... And, and this is something I only realised probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, that thing just clicked in my head, and I'm 53 now. But anyway, so when I was a kid, I just... Um, when I was about, oh, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, those sort of ages, I just wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Would not eat, stopped eating, and um, would barely eat, you know, just barely. And my parents just could not understand why I wouldn't eat. They'd sit there and, like, you know, 
put it in my mouth, mm. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And um, took me to the doctors and they said, you're just going to have to force feed her and she has to have all these tablets. Oh, I remember the iron tablets and all these sorts of tablets and mum would, like, melt them in the cup and, oh, my goodness, they they not awful and tasted mm. awful. Mm. Anyway, and um, I think what what um, changed it for me was um, we went to Italy when I was about 11 Um and but see what what was happening was that I was being um, sexually abused by my grandfather, and I think that was how I just dealt with it mm. at the time. Mm. And um, you know, I guess because then when we went away, we you know he was still here in Australia, <laughs> so so I guess things changed. But you know, it was only like when I was like I said about ten fifteen years ago that. I, I don't know, I was just thinking about it and thinking of the smell of iron and liver and, mm. you know, yucky things like that, which remind me of those tablets. And I went, why on earth did I, did I as a kid, stop eating? You know, why did I not mm. want to eat? Blah, 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 you know. And then I went, oh, that's why. Because, you know, mm. like I, I only remembered like when I was like about 20 mm-hmm. that it even happened to me. Wow. But, um, Katarina, I, I want to yeah. really thank you for, for calling in. Dr. Haley, no, have you got any comment? You want to, Dr. Haley, have you got any comments you want to make to Katarina about that? Is this often, is there often a link with childhood abuse as well with these disorders? Yeah, again, Katarina, um, yeah, thank you for sharing. And I'm so sorry to hear that that's been your experience. Um, and yeah, just the trauma that you've been through there. Um, I guess the answer to your question, Andrew, is that yes, there is. Um, sometimes a link there. Um, It's certainly not always the case. Um, But yes, a trauma background does increase the risk of developing eating disorders um, as, yeah, a coping mechanism um, and um, for various reasons. Um, But it, yeah, can be a way of coping with those um, difficult experiences. Um, And certainly um, if anyone is you know, struggling in that way, I'd really, really encourage you to reach out um, and get that professional support um, around that. And yeah, I guess one thing I haven't mentioned is that with eating disorders, the sooner you can get that treatment, the better the treatment outcomes. Um, So yeah, if you've got any concerns or suspicion there, just to reach out and get that support. Um, And yes, again, I'm so sorry to hear about your experience and thank you for sharing. Yeah, Katarina, we want to we want to thank you so much for calling in today. We've actually got more callers coming through, Dr. Haley. So, Katarina, thank you again for calling. And we have someone else who's calling in now. If we can get a hold of them, uh, we'll do that. But, uh, yeah, so just before that happens, Dr. Haley, the, mm. the female disorders, have we covered all of the uh, the bases there with what women can uh, be challenged with in this area? Yeah, I think just to recognise that it's very diverse and to seek help if you've got any concerns. Okay, so I do want to move on. Uh, this next caller may or may not come through to us, but uh, you're doing a study. So mm. let's talk about the study. What is the reason behind the study and what is the nature of the study? Mm. Yeah, so I guess the reason behind the study is just um, that recognition of wanting to include spirituality or explore spirituality in a whole person approach um, to eating disorders. Um, that's certainly not to say that spirituality replaces any of the other treatment, um, which is all essential, um, but that this might be something that can complement um, what we're doing perhaps or that we might be able to um, provide support to people who are supporting um, in the Christian space there. 
So what we're doing is we're looking to talk to um, four different groups of people around their experiences in this space, particularly in that area of Christian spirituality and eating disorders for this project. So we're looking first to talk to people who have experienced an eating disorder um, and who are either Christian or identify as previously being Christian or have had significant exposure to Christian contexts that they think might be relevant um, to that space. Um, second, we're looking to talk to people like some of the people who've been calling in today um, who have a loved one who's experienced an eating disorder um, and if they think that Christian spirituality may be relevant to that space. Third, we're looking for pastoral carers who support people in this space um, and we've got quite a broad definition um, of what that could include. So that could be clergy, it could be lay pastoral care, it could be school teachers or school counsellors, um, but who are offering Christian pastoral care in this space around what their experiences are um, and what the challenges and needs are. Um, and finally, we're looking to talk to healthcare providers um, who may have an interest in this space, um, whether or not they're Christian, um, because the next phase of the study will be to work with a smaller group of these people to develop some sort of resource together which could assist in that space. Um, and that resource we want to be um, available, I guess accessible to healthcare providers who are working with this, no matter their spiritual background, when they're working with Christians who would like this incorporated in care. So we don't expect that this is going to be across the board for everyone. It's really about individualising uh, treatment for people who would like that approach in conjunction with other types of care. Sure. Now, Dr. Haley, you are based in the University of Queensland in, mm. in sunny Brisbane. Can people outside of the Brisbane area participate in this study or are you really looking for people in southeast Queensland? No, absolutely. People outside um, can participate. So we're looking anywhere in Australia and New Zealand um, Yeah, would be eligible to participate. Um, and I think probably the other thing I should mention there is that, yes, I'm doing the PhD through the University of Queensland um, and that we're very grateful to the John Templeton Foundation um, for a grant that's supporting uh, this research as well. Yeah, well done. Nice acknowledgement there. Now, there's four types of people that you're looking for in this study. I want us to repeat them so people can hear them. So number one, people who have suffered uh, with an eating disorder. That's the first type of person that you'd like to be a part of this study? Yes, absolutely. Yep. So number two? Um, so people, so carers or family and loved ones of people who've experienced an eating disorder um, and, again, think that Christian spirituality might be relevant to this space. Okay, so relatives, family members of yep. someone who has suffered with an eating disorder, you yep. want them to participate in the study yep, and provide friends. their perspective and their experiences? Absolutely. And the third person or type of person you want to be involved in the study? Uh, so Christian pastoral carers, and again, defining that very broadly. Um, so if you're providing Christian support um, in that type of role to someone with an eating disorder, we'd love to talk to you. Okay, so that could be a chaplain, that could yes. be a pastor, yes. a youth leader perhaps, yes. or a youth worker. In fact, probably young adults, leaders would probably mm. experience this more only because mm. they're doing a lot more young people. Yeah. Um, so that's the third type of person. And the fourth type of person, I remember this one, it's a healthcare professional Yes. Uh, that's also had some experience in this space. So if you are one of those four types of people, that is someone that's experienced an eating disorder or someone who is uh, involved in the spiritual care and welfare of people with eating disorders or a family member or a relative or a healthcare professional. Those four types of people, Dr. Haley would love to hear from you so that you can be a part of this study. And this is one of those studies, isn't it, Dr. Haley, that's actually going to help people? 
That's the idea. Yes, that's certainly <laughs> what we're hoping for. <laughs> it's not just an academic exercise. Um, it's something that's going to be um, applicable and uh, it's going to provide outcomes, hopefully, and help more people in this space. And just finally, is this space growing? Are there more and more people suffering from eating disorders in Australia? Does the data back up that, that there's more people getting uh, struggling in this area? Yeah, certainly there's data that suggests that through the COVID pandemic, we've seen a rise. Um, so it does seem to be expanding. Yeah, which is not good. But, no. you know, thank God there's people like you who are tackling this area head on and, and seeking to find solutions for people. Now, if you want to get involved in this study, you want to get in touch with Dr. Haley, uh, her email address is, and you have to get your pen out and write this down or punch it in your notes application on your phone or text it to your best friend or someone, it's h.thomas, that's T-H-O-M-A-S, h.thomas at U-Q dot edu dot au that's h dot thomas at uq dot edu dot au if you didn't catch that and you want to catch that you can also contact us here at vision on our um on our phone lines and we will put you in touch with dr haley but dr haley i want to thank you for such a good conversation today and i actually believe that we've helped some people point them in the right direction is there any uh, final comments you want to make before we finish up today yeah, no, just thank you. It's really been um, a privilege and a pleasure talking to you and thanks for the opportunity. And we wish you all the best in the study, Dr. Haley, and hopefully many of our listeners will get involved in that study as well. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.